Welcome back to Our Soul, a podcast by Faith Choice Ohio, Ohio's faith voice for choice. Welcome back to Our Soul. My name is the Reverend Terry Williams, and I am really excited to be joined today by our executive director at Faith Choice Ohio, Elena Ramsey. Elena, can you give a shout out? Hey, folks. Good to be here. I'm really excited because this is like, what, day two of Elena being back from sabbatical. Many of you in the last month have reached out and found that um, Elena has been away on sabbatical. Sabbatical is not, by the way, is not um, just free-for-all vacation or just random time away. Um, also, sabbatical is not uh, a sabbatical like you would anticipate from a college professor. It's not like um, Elena was, you know, off doing um, an intense scriptural research in the Holy Land or something, you know. Uh, uh, there's uh, There are a lot of different ways you could do a sabbatical, and the intent of a sabbatical is a little different for nonprofit organizations. But here at Faith Choice Ohio, we do have a sabbatical policy for staff because we value the preparation that goes into an individual's work life and the ability to have a good work-life balance around uh, not only what is done in the day-to-day, -day, but how we rest and recharge. So, Elena, can you give us an idea of, like, First off, what is a sabbatical in a nonprofit context? And then a little bit about like what your sabbatical was structured like. Mm, yes. Well, first I'll say that a sabbatical <laughs> is a sacred, sacred gift. Um, I'm finding out more and more that in the nonprofit space, it doesn't happen <laughs> as much as you think it, it would or should. Um, and so we're really, really blessed at Faith Choice Ohio that we have just written into our policies and practices and rhythms that um, in our nonprofit space, uh, full-time staff who work uh, every five years get a three-month sabbatical. And so it really is a time for rest and reflection, a time to rejuvenate, um, get recharged, just to connect with oneself, just because the work can be, uh, as we know, it's not for the faint of heart, especially when we're talking about reproductive health rights and justice. And so it's an opportunity to really address burnout and to help uh, folks just uh, focus on, you know, what is needed to continue to sustain this kind of work. And... Uh, it really is such a gift that we have that for our staff and our board is, is, you know, looking at other ways that we can look at this policy and extend it to even part-time staff. And so really um, the best thing about leading a nonprofit is that we get to create the cultures that we want and we're trying to create one that really is countercultural and it's not uh, so steeped in capitalism and productivity that we we miss out on humanity of people and the need for just honoring people's labor through just prolonged rest. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what it means for us in our nonprofit space. And it is one that they said um, is not common. And if anything, 
taking a sabbatical has allowed me to witness to others that it is possible, and I talk to other nonprofit leaders about implementing um, such benefits for staff because it really does boost um, morale. But like I said, it's it's all about sustainable movement building and how we care for our communities itself. And it, it really is a religious value, right? Sabbatical comes from that root um, Sabbath, Shabbat, right? In the Jewish tradition, um, this idea of regular rest, right? Shabbat or Shabbos, depending upon the, the group that uh, you belong and believe with, um, is this regular once once a week, uh, you know, time that is set aside for a cessation of work because the understanding is that we are in relationship to something other than what we produce. We are in relationship to a God who loves us and who calls us into this deep relationship. Um, and that idea then, uh, you know, gets translated through uh, a lot of historical process into most of the Christian traditions as well. Um, and gets lived out a little differently. But, you know, we have this idea of uh, a set-aside time of a cessation of work for the building up of community, the building up of, of the individual's health and wellness in connection with the community's health and wellness, because that's what the world is in need of. The world is not in need of one more hour of production, one more day of doing, but rather time to rest and enjoy the fruit of labor and to recognize that we all need that that extra space to be able to have uh, you know not only our own rest but rest for others respect for others and an understanding of where we fit in this this kind of cosmic process right all that wrapped up into uh whatever uh, portion of time you're able to set aside so I, elena how how much how much time you know when you were away um how did you divide your time like where where did you spend time not doing work <laughs> yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, I had three months of sabbatical time off, but I decided to not do all three months consecutively, partly because we have such a small team. I'm the only full-time person on staff. Did not want to leave everyone in the lurch for a quarter of the year. So I took my first two months of sabbatical off um, last September and October, and uh, I mean, that was when I was facing some really deep, <laughs> deep burnout. And so I did not work during that time. That really was a time for me to reconnect um, with myself and my people. I traveled a lot. I got to see family and friends, uh, gosh, in California and Hawaii and Texas and then Costa Rica. And then went to the beach with my partner. So <laughs> it was two months of just getting my head back on right and but also plugging in and getting rooted with my community that you know i have my folks here in ohio but i also have an extensive uh, community all across the states and the world and just have not been feeling um very connected to folks um throughout this pandemic so that gave me a chance to do that and then uh, this past month um 
for most of March and into early April. I took my last month and was able to both travel but also do some work. Um, I traveled to both Germany and Austria with some friends, which was just such a joy. Uh, to travel with people is a wonder in and of itself. Um, and to see the world and how big it is and how little our problems can be sometimes. Um, but it also gave me a chance to do some book writing. Um, part of the sabbatical uh, framework that we have is that yes, it is a chance for us to um, rest from our labors and to celebrate the fruits of that labor. And it is time for some study for a focus project um, that an individual wants to focus on. And so, Thankfully, I had a grant-funded sabbatical through the Louisville Institute, um, which made it possible for me to take some time off and for our board to sign off on it, and the bit also for them to recognize um, some, carve out some time for me to work on my book. And uh, yeah, I got some good solid writing done. and was able to do some outreach to a lot, of, a lot of other writers to talk about their process. And so, you know, this is an ongoing project for me, but it really did just give me uh, that intentional time away because it's so hard to switch gears from, you know, doing the work, but then also writing and reflecting on the work. Um, so, yeah, I spent a lot of this past month just writing and being being um, on the page, but also being a citizen of the world. And it, yeah, has allowed me to come back um, a more whole and hopefully a, a better leader and ready for what's next in this fight ahead for re reproductive justice. And that is really the, the benefit, all right, of sabbatical time is that um, sabbatical time is not only necessary for the individual and for the health of the community it actually allows great things to grow it allows space for a little bit of uh, you know contemplation a deep amount of reflection and time away from all the regular things to miss the things that you love and maybe to come back and look at some of the things you don't love and say is this really where we're called to be uh, spending our time and effort and energy? I, I think um, often of uh, a reflection from uh, one of our mutual friends, Rabbi Danya Ruttenberg. She says, um, as, as a, a Jew, she says, I think part of how we function in the world and why we, we end up doing so well despite uh, you know, millennia of oppression are the two elements of our tradition that most people really hold to are and, you know, somewhat tongue in cheek, she says, you know, once a year, we have to check the sell by dates on all of our food, right? That's uh, preparing for Pesach, right? Uh, but her, her other piece is, we have regular rest built into every week, because we believe that having time that is downtime is essential to our uptime. Right. So hearing you reflect on uptime as, uh, you know, being able to be uh, strengthened by your downtime. That's uh, something that I, I hope everyone who's listening hears. You need downtime to strengthen your uptime. 
you can be going full speed ahead all seven days a week, all 12 months a year, every year of your life, and you're not going to get as much out of living as if you have some regularized time away from the things that you love doing, right? And I'm sure during your sabbatical, you you had uh, you know lots of opportunities to break your sabbatical and run headfirst back into all the work, right? Uh, the the work for reproductive health rights and justice in Ohio never stops, <laughs> you know. Um, I, did you did you find yourself? Um, you know, because I I kind of know the answer to this question, but I'm interested to hear your to hear your response. Um, did you find yourself when you were planning your sabbatical thinking, uh, that's not a good time. Oh, this isn't a good time. Well, that's probably not a good time either. How how was it finally you know taking the decision to say no, we are going to do this. This is going to be the time. No time is perfect, but you know we're moving forward. What was that like for you? Yeah. Wow. Yes. That was a process in and of itself, as you said, to, to recognize that, you know, that no time is going to be the, the best time. Um, especially, you know, we're, we're undergoing uh, the greatest abortion crisis in at least my living memory. Um, and yet it's counterintuitive. It's precisely why we need to take time away <laughs> because, the world can beat you down and this work can beat you down and you need to be able to recharge. And so I finally had to just get out of my own way. And, you know, you have to constantly um, relearn and unlearn all the things we've been taught about urgency, about um, saviorism that says, if I'm not doing the work, it'll never get done. Or, you know, just these messages that sometimes we have in our heads as activists, um, And it really is, you know, sabbatical or, you know, whether that's weekly or in, you know, as part of your work and life and rhythm, it really is an opportunity to recognize where you fit in the movement, in this wider ecosystem, and to learn to trust the circle, to trust that it's going to be okay. And so one of the other things that allowed me to take this time away is knowing that we have such a solid and phenomenal team. I mean, again, it's, it allows me to trust and to know what I already know fully in that you, Terry, Kelly, Rihanna are beyond capable. <laughs> and so it, it, you know, I've known that before, but just to come back and be reassured of that, you know, that is also a gift of just knowing that I work with some amazing colleagues and that you all made it possible for me to be away and that that is something that we do for one another. You know, like we all time out our vacations and so forth and we say that that is holy and sacred time and so we plan around it and we make sure that we have coverage before and after and during. And so with that, you know, there may not be the best time, whatever that means, but if you have a solid team and you have a solid uh, sense of self and perspective and recognizing that it's not all about you, then really, yeah, we all we all can and should be taking regular breaks away. Um, and I'm telling you, it's so counterintuitive because I have lots, lots of colleagues who are executive directors who are always like, 
I've not done anything like that in, you know, their tenure, whether that's 10 or 15 years. And I'm just like, that's such a disservice um, to the work and to themselves. And I really feel uh, for folks. Uh, but I also, again, trust that we're doing what we need to do for our team to make it sustainable and to care for ourselves. And it's just something that I want for everyone. And I know I try not to take for granted that us as a faith-based nonprofit, that's kind of, you know, it's in our DNA. We already have that kind of moral ethical framework that says, yeah, we value rest. We value Sabbath. Um, and, and yet that can, that can also be something that is part of other nonprofits, whether they are secular or not. And I think more and more folks are coming to that realization as, uh, especially when we talk about reproductive justice, bringing our whole selves to this work. Um, there's been a lot more emphasis on the whole person and healing justice and wellness. And I think it's a lesson that we cannot learn <laughs> too soon. So I hope that continues. And I hope that, and yeah, here we go. I'll just go on a rail about how, yeah, funders need to make that possible, mm. right? Like, make it so that, yeah, we can take breaks. Like, the things we produce, our programs are wonderful and good, and yet they are nothing without the people behind them. And so if our people aren't cared for and aren't rested, then everything suffers. And so I would love to see just, yeah, more investments in our people because... That's the only way that we're going to get free is if people are feeling valued, are feeling like, yeah, they have the energy and the capacity to dream and to to build. And I find that's very hard to do that if you're only stuck in grind culture. <laughs> I, I think particularly this time of year, I think about, um, you know, my, my parents planting uh, in their garden. And I think about my mother's ethic of tomatoes, right? Um, that when tomato plants start uh, blossoming and they start blooming, if she has a tomato plant that is not blooming, she puts a lot of fertilizer on it. And then when the tomato plants start blooming, she gets really excited and she puts a lot of fertilizer on it, right? The response is always like, we're going to continue to feed this this piece of our our life together so that it can continue to do well and surprise us and amaze us that there's never a time when it's bad to put a little more tender loving care into the places in our life that that grow these these wonderful things and i think about our human resources in you know organizations and groups that aren't necessarily faith-based or aren't necessarily ethics-based um, in their management it, they find time and time again that oh yeah not investing in human resources and I don't mean like the department human resources, right? No offense to human resource professionals or anything, but like, you know, HR departments are not uh, the same as HR investments, right? Uh, but investing in people, investing in wellness, investing in the health of the folks who are doing the work, right? That creates long-term, not only a better product that comes out of the organization, it creates a healthier, more nimble organization that can do 
bigger and better and more remarkable things, right? Um, so I'm I'm just fascinated about this because we're in the midst right now of a holy season for uh, several different different groups of uh, constituents in in our coalition. Uh, we're recording this on what is in a few hours going to be the first night of Pesach, the the first night of Passover for our our Jewish kin. And we're in the midst of what is sometimes referred to as Holy Week, sometimes by pastors Holy Hell Week because of all the schedule, right, that comes in the Christian tradition. Um, of course, the Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, Easter, you know, that, that process um, that happens. It's amazing in the midst of this holy time. It's amazing how these different religious traditions both set aside time, right? They call us to set aside time for the things that are worth setting aside time for in our tradition, right? The the word worship really comes from that that mashing together of worthship, right? What you give worth to, what you give value to, what you give uh, you know space to. So when we think about you know the the Jewish seder meals that are going to happen. Um, and the gathering in of families and different groups, this emphasis of self-reflection of the story of where we have come from and where we are going, the emphasis of welcoming the stranger, these commandments that are essential, they're so essential that folks take time every year to repeat them and teach them to their children and and you know live out this this kind of liturgy in uh, in the homes all over the state right? This is taking holy time to remember what's important. We do not have in these systems a time of setting aside, you know, days and evenings and, and whole, uh, you know, long ritualistic meals, teaching people how to make bricks for Pharaoh, right? That's not what this is about, right? It's not teaching people how to perfect the the production value of of work and whatever our goals are right we're not uh, utilizing this time to get better at producing all the things this time is set aside and it is sacred to remember why we do all the things we do anyway right um and i i just i find that so so essential in in the season to remember that even in the sacral ways that we call ourselves to worship and we call ourselves into relationship with one another and with God uh, in these traditions, we do so in a way to give us rest and to acknowledge that God wants us to be resting, to allow others to rest, to, as a whole society, slow down a moment and really embrace what is essential and important, you know? There's, there's something just entirely anti-capitalist about that. It's, it's entirely revolutionary. And when we think about reproductive health rights and justice, you know, the, the goal of people who are anti-abortion, the goal of people who are uh, anti-contraception, the goal of people who want to control bodies uh, in this state around birth and, uh, you know, the ability to parent children all of that agenda is rooted in a system that says you are what you produce. And we say, no. We say, we will live 
regardless of of your restrictions we will survive and thrive regardless of your oppression on our bodies and on the bodies of those who are most deeply affected um it's it, it just really is at the heart of what we do and how we live to say no we will survive and we will care for us we will thrive and we will triumph regardless of the stress that you're trying to put all of us under in this moment. Mm, mercy. Yes. We are not what we produce. <laughs> that is a sermon of itself and uh, is exactly why we do this work. You're, you're right. It is. Um, we model it by taking the time away saying we are not um, you know, beholden to our work and what we produce. And it is by that, that same tenet, how and why we are fighting for a world where, where people are not, you know, having to be forced into pregnancy or having forced births. And that is, uh, the world that we're fighting for day in, day out, but, even more so deeply in these days, especially here in Ohio, um, with the uh, abortion ballot initiative. Um, this is our chance to really codify that into law and say that, yeah, we are not what we produce and we have a say over what happens to our bodies, um, <clears throat> that they can be used for rest, <laughs> um, but that they are also not, uh, yeah, means for production for the state to be able to tell us when we conceive, how we conceive, who we conceive with. Uh, I mean, that is just part of what's so messed up about Ohio politics, right? Like <laughs> when, we t when we see all the attacks on our bodily autonomy, whether that is um, attacks on trans youth and gender affirming healthcare to continuing abortion bans um, through medication abortions and gestational limits and whatnot. Like it all comes down to the state and even the church trying to have control over what we do. And here we are saying no more. <laughs> Not going to happen for us in this season. And uh, I really, you know, that's, you know, when you talked about having <clears throat> time set apart to then think about what we are committed to and what we are looking forward to. And for me, it's, you know, come back to this work. Um, it is such a calling that I cannot walk away from. And here we are in the midst of this uh, ballot initiative. And, you know, these next couple of months are going to be really, really telling and up and down. But already the strides that we've made um, just getting this... Uh, you know, on the books, it's happening. And I'm really excited about that momentum. I'm excited about what's happening across the country. Now we saw with Wisconsin and Chicago, just really electing, um, you know, pro-abortion judges and so forth. Like this is how we build a world where our bodies are more than what we produce. Yes. 
And I, a big shout out to our friends uh, in Wisconsin, Rabbi Bonnie Margulies at Wisconsin RCRC. I got to be with them uh, this last week for uh, a gathering where we, we talked about what we are doing in Ohio in the midst of uh, legislative and uh, constitutional unrest and turmoil. Uh, and, and here they are in a position where their state came out very strongly uh, this week, this Tuesday, in support of a pro-abortion judicial uh, agenda that I think is just really clear. And when we look at this ballot initiative, for those who haven't read it yet, we'll have the, the full text of the ballot initiative um, in the show notes. It's only one page. Miracle of miracles legislation can be written so that it is straightforward and clear and concise. One page of ballot language and the key essential part of this ballot language that we're currently collecting signatures for to get onto the ballot. It says every individual has a right to make and carry out one's own reproductive decisions, including, but not limited to, decisions on contraception, fertility treatment, continuing one's own pregnancy, miscarriage care, and abortion, right? This ballot initiative is so incredibly crucial, and anti-abortion folks are fighting against it so, so difficult. Um, so, so difficultly. I, I, I can't even speak how, how uh, heinous some of these attacks have been. They're fighting against this so hard because it is so straightforward, it is so simple, and it's so empowering. And in order to get this ballot initiative onto the ballot so that the voters of Ohio can express their two-thirds support for abortion access, which we already know is, is our reality, we have to receive just over 413,000 signatures. Just so you all know, you can help collect signatures for this ballot initiative. Go to protectchoiceohio.com. All the information you're going to need is there. You can help volunteer with existing events. You can hold events in your local area. You can get trained on how to actually collect those signatures. And once we get the signatures together and once this item hits the ballot, there are going to be canvassing opportunities for you to go out and speak to neighbors, speak to other folks. If you're not really into that, you can also be a data coordinator. There are lots of behind-the-scenes things that you can do to help advance reproductive health rights and justice on the ballot in Ohio in 2023. And all of that work is done with the understanding, again, that we do the work as we also care for ourselves. So rest up, get the rest in where you can, take your sabbatical moments, moment by moment, day by day, week by week, if you can get it, right? But take that time to rest and get ready because the work is here and the work is calling. Friends, it's been so good to be with you. And Elena, it's been so good to have you on the podcast. We're just so glad that you're back and full of life and, and rejuvenated in this space. Thank you all so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Our Soul. If you'd like to hear more of our conversations on religion, abortion access, and all things repro, you can find all our episodes on Podbean, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. For more content, training, and other information, check us out at faithchoiceohio.org.